So, Lord, we're just asking you, would you do it? We need, we're, we're, we're saying we don't even have the strength to do the exercises unless you lead us. We don't even have the strength to say that we want you to work in us without you leading us. So we're just saying, Lord, for, for those of us who want to want you, but we're not even strong enough to say we want you yet, Lord, would, would you do a work in each of our hearts? Lord, we want to want you more. We want to love you more. And so even, even tonight as we open up the Bible, your word, would you speak to us? Every one of us. Guys, if you don't ask him, if you don't want him, this is going to be wasted time. So just even right now, would you just ask him, Lord, open up my mind, open up my heart. I want to want you. Would you help us, Lord? Speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, let me tell you where we are. We're back after summer. and We've done all kinds of things this summer, but we're, headed, we're going back into a Bible study, the book of Luke. The book of Luke, so get your Bibles. Somebody, I saw somebody with a stack of Bibles right there. Luke, Mr. Luke has, did I say the book of Luke? I meant the book of Acts. Okay. Luke has Bibles, so you can turn to the book of Acts. We were in the book of Luke for so long. Um, Acts chapter 12, so if you guys um, have a Bible, it's really going to help. You guys can do it on your phone, but it sure is helpful when we're doing a Bible study to actually have a book in front of you. And, and if you have your own Bible, that's even more helpful because you can make notes in it. But I, I just want to remind you guys of what Jesus' strategy is. What his strategy was, what his strategy is. He came to, to buy this planet back for himself, paid for with his blood, and to declare himself the king. The king of this planet, but he doesn't force himself on anybody. Instead, he gives an invitation for all of us to be a part of his kingdom and invites all of us to proclaim the message of his kingdom so that other people can be invited in. No pressure, no coercing, no manipulation, just an invitation. But again, he doesn't do that by just telling us to go out there and reach people. He gives us his spirit. So all the work that we do, the kingdom work that we do, is empowered, is fired by his spirit. It's empowered by his spirit in us. So the book of Acts is... The reason it's called Acts, an act is something you do, right? So what this is about, what Jesus did through his spirit, Jesus' spirit, in the lives of his people after he stepped off this planet. Stepped off this planet, and he gave his disciples, his people, this great commission to carry on his kingdom building work. And so that's where we started in, in Acts chapter 1. And he, he, he steps off the planet. And he says, you guys wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes upon you, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And they go back to Jerusalem for the next 10 days. They have a prayer meeting like no other. God, we need your power. We need your power. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would pour out on us, and we're waiting for it. We're waiting. We're expecting it. And then all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday 50 days after Jesus had been put to death and risen again, on that day, they're meeting together, celebrating Jesus, praying, asking, and all of a sudden, whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and the church explodes. And that day, Instead of 120 people who are a part of this little community of people, suddenly there's 3,000. And of course, with, with what they do, with the Holy Spirit anointing on them, there's all these, these miracles and signs, these wonderful things that happen. And of course, every time that that happens, 
there's opposition. So opposition comes against this little church, and what do the people do when there's opposition? They pray. And when they pray, more Holy Spirit power comes. And more Holy Spirit power comes, there's more things that happen. And when more things happen, there's more opposition. And when more opposition happens, they pray. You get the cycle? So that's what we've been seeing. We've seen all kinds of opposition as we've been, been going through this. But I just want to remind you of something that I had you guys say with me last week and the week before because it really is a theme for the book of Acts and a theme for our lives. And this, so would you guys just repeat after me? God has a plan. His method is me. It won't be easy, but it's worth it. Okay, so last time, of course, we're backing up a few months because I've been in Japan and we've done some different things. But last time we, we were in, in, in Luke or Acts chapter 12, we talked about how Herod Agrippa, okay, there's a bunch of Herods, and we'll talk about some of those later, but Herod Agrippa put James to death. You guys remember this? He puts James to death, in my, and then he takes Peter, and he sticks him in prison and plans to put him to death too. And yet an angel comes and rescues Peter in a miraculous way, gets him out of prison. And my question that night, if you guys remember, it was, would you rather be James or would you rather be Peter? And you guys, just let me just remind you, any of these um, messages, these teachings from the Bible that you miss, you can go on the website and get, or um, there's actually a podcast link. You can get the podcast link, and you can download them and, and listen as you drive. And I think you'll learn so much. So last time we talked was, would you rather be James or Peter? Now, let me ask you guys this. Herod, Agrippa, he put James to death, and then he puts Peter in prison with a plan to kill him. That's what we talked about. So here's my question for you. What was Herod Agrippa, the king, or kind of a king, what was his motivation in putting Peter in prison with a plan to kill him? Where's the eraser here? Oh, there we go. Okay. Any idea? I mean, you know, for no reason, right? Everything that anybody does, they do for a reason, right? If you went to Chick-fil-A today, it's because you either worked there or you wanted something to eat, right? I mean, you don't just, you don't just do things. So what, what do you think was his motivation? Say it again. To put fear on the other. To put fear on the other. What do you care? Well, let me, sh let me show you guys something that's really interesting. If you guys look at the first couple verses of chapter 12, and this is a review, but the first couple chapter, uh, verses of chapter 12, we'll look at verse 3. After he'd killed James... When he saw that that pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Okay, what was his motivation to take it, Peter? To please the people. Does that sound like a politician? Okay, it sounds like a politician. It sounds like more than that. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this in a second. Okay, so with that in mind, let's read what happens next. Okay, so remember, Peter gets released. And what happens in verse 19? So this is where we're starting tonight. Verse 19. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. Caesarea is right on the beach, so he's kicking back on the beach, okay? He had been quarreling. So remember, this is the king, the, the, the guy. Um, he's actually a tetrarch, but he's basically a king. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. What's modern-day Tyre and Sidon? So what's modern-day Tyre and Sidon? Does anybody know? Lebanon, thank you, Lebanon. So, okay, man, I should have put a, a map up here. Okay, just up north, straight north of Israel is Tyre and Sidon. And 
they now joined together and sought an audience with him. So the people of Tyre and Sidon, who he's been having a, a, a struggle with, they get together and they want to see him. Having secured the support of Blastus, so a trusted personal friend, servant of the king, they asked for peace. They're like, let's, let's work this out. Because they depended on Herod Agrippa's country for their food supply. So it's like, we got to work this out because we're hungry and our kids are hungry. We got to work this situation out. Whatever it takes, let's get it fixed. You guys understand the situation here? Two people said, yeah. Okay. This is interactive, guys. Okay. On the appointed day in Caesarea, not to be confused with Caesarea Philippi, that's another place, in Caesarea, wearing his royal robes, he, Herod sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Do you think they really believed that? Verse 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. It's not the kind of death you'd like. He died. And he's, he was about 50 years old at the time. Verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. Okay, who, I want to ask you guys this. Who are the characters in this story? Let's write these things down. Who are the characters in the story? Okay, Mr. Herod. And remember, this is Herod Agrippa, um, even though... Okay, Herod Agrippa. And what's, what's, what does he want here? What's his agenda What's that? To please people. That's why he put Peter to death. But in this situation where he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna have a meeting with these people from up north about their food supply, what do you think he wants? Say it again. I didn't hear you. And hunger, do you think he cares about them? I don't think he cares two bits about those people in Tyre and Sidon. He wants, I think he's motivated. He's like, I mean, what, what motivated Herod? was he wanted to be liked by people. He wanted a power over people. He wanted to prove that he was greater than he really, really was. Okay, who are the other characters in this? Blastus. They Blastus. Whoops, I don't have a pen that works very well. Blastus. Okay, what's Blastus's motivation? What do you think he wants? Yeah, you think he's a good guy? He might be a good guy. I think it's the same kind of thing. He's, in a, he's, in a, he's a politician. He's working for the king. He's trying to do what it takes to get himself um, a, pat, a, a pat on the back saying you did a good job from the people, from the king. And there might be some under-the-table money happening for Blastus, too. Okay, we don't know for sure. But I don't think he was just trying to do a good, a good deed for the people up in Tyre and Sidon. Okay, what's the other, who are the other characters in here? Tyre and Sidon, okay, the people of Tyre and Sidon. So, and, and, what, and what do they want? What's their motivation in this meeting? And they've come a long way to meet with the king. They want their food. Okay, they want food. Okay, what's the point of all this, guys? Here, there's, it sounds like some kind of something out of CNN News. It, and it does, yeah, I'm thinking, why is this in the Bible? If you read the ancient histories of Tacitus and Josephus, I mean, there's stuff like this happening all the time. And I'm thinking, what, why, of all the stories that the Holy Spirit and Dr. Luke could have included in the book of Acts, why did they 
include this. And so I've, I've been thinking about this. God, there's got to be something in here for a bunch of college students in 2019. What is it? There's got to be something in this. Is there something significant in this story? Remember, the book of Acts is about the building of Jesus' kingdom. Is there something significant in this that we need to catch? Obviously, there's got to be, right? Okay, so you guys all go home, and next week, come back and tell me what it is. No. Sweet. It's like, yeah, we get out early. Okay. I thought you were here because you wanted to be, man. Okay. Okay, let me ask you guys this. <laughs> what's, what's the most important verse here? As you read through that from verse 19 to verse 24, what's the most important uh, verse? I think the worm verse is pretty important, but I think there's something more important than that. What is it? 24. Guys, listen to this. But whatever that was, the word of God continued to increase and spread. Here's the point, guys. Jesus is establishing his kingdom. He was establishing his kingdom. He is, at this point, establishing his kingdom. And there is nothing that is going to stop his expansion. Nothing. And he... He gave this responsibility to the church, and there has been all kinds of attack against the church of Jesus. But Jesus had said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, right? Nothing is going to stop his church. Nothing. So here's the point, guys. There is a war going on at this, in this story. There is a war going on right now. What happened to you today wasn't just bad people. It wasn't just a bad boss. It, just, it wasn't just a bad professor. It wasn't just a bad friend that you thought was a friend and who turned out not to be. It's not just a bad government official or a bad judge or a bad immigration officer. There is a war going on that is, that is underlying the evil that we see in the world. And we're told that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, right? But against these evil forces that are satanic. That Satan is using to try to overcome the power of the church. But there's nothing that's going to stop the church of Jesus. As long as you believe that's true. As long as you put your, your, your faith in that. You guys have, let me just warn you. You guys have the devil working against you. Maybe not him personally, because he'd be a pretty busy guy if he had to take care of all of you. But he's got his minions. There, there is the power of hell working against you. And your life matters. And what you're doing, even tonight, matters. And I want you guys to understand that because if you don't understand, if you think that there's no battle, then you think that all those video games that you play and all the stupid movies that so many of us watch are just fun. But guys, God's got a plan for you that's so much bigger than all that stuff. And he's calling you to it. We're in a war, not against selfish people like Herod and Blastus and the people of time. We're in a war against the devil himself. Guys, look at verse 24 again. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. The word of God, whatever has happened in this war, the word of God has not taken a step back. And whatever it seems like is happening in your life, there's no backing up. Because you're on the winning side, and the Lord will win. The kingdom will be built, whether you're part of it or not, but you're invited to be a part of it. Okay, we're going to switch gears just a little bit here. I want you guys to think about who this guy Herod was, because it'll help you understand a little bit what's going on behind the scenes in this story. There's a bunch of guys who ruled whose names were Herod, right? Okay, there's, there's at least four of them mentioned in the Bible. Let me just tell you a few of them. Let's kind of pull, 
pull these apart. Actually, I think I got a picture of Herod Agrippa up there. It's an old picture. You got Herod Agrippa's picture? Scatter, did I send that to you? It's a bust of him. You know, you guys know what a bust is, right? I mean, you may as well know what this guy looks like. He actually looks, he looks pretty, did I, did you get that? Oh, you put it up there anytime. So Herod Agrippa, so we're talking about Herod Agrippa. He's, he's a guy who stands against the church of Jesus. We just read about that. His father was murdered by his grandfather when, uh, when Herod Agrippa was about four years old. He was strangled. The grandfather was Herod the Great. You guys remember who Herod the Great was? Herod the Great was the guy who tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. You guys remember that? Because he heard that there was a, the king of the Jews had been born. He's like, I'm not going to have this. And he tried to have those babies killed. So you guys got this? There's, there's a bunch more Herods we're not going to talk about. But Herod, Herod Agrippa that we just talked about, then his grandfather, Herod the Great, and then an uncle of his who became a ruler in the northern part whose name was Herod Antipas. And what do you guys know about Herod Antipas? What, how did he stand against the work of God? You guys remember? He, he's the guy who was responsible for cutting off John the Baptist's head. You guys remember this? So, he, so the Herods are just rotten people. And we, actually, there's so much recorded about their rottenness. We could, spend, we could spend a long time talking about all the bad things that they did. Yeah, Sean? No, but I probably should have. Yeah. No, it didn't. No, it's, it's the guy's name. It really is the guy's name. Now, now, what you guys learn about this is that they, they weren't just selfish guys. Here's what I want you guys to catch. They're not just selfish guys who oppose the truth, but there's something about their genealogy that I want you guys to catch here that I think will kind of make you think about this. Herod was not a Jew. You guys remember how worked up he was when he heard that the, Jesus had been born king of the Jews? You know why he was so worked up? Because he was an imposter. He didn't have any right to the throne. He was, uh, does anybody know what, what ethnicity he was? He was, uh, and this, this would be interesting for most of you. He was an Idumean. What's an Idumean? Like, I don't know. Okay, the other, the other word for Idumeans are the Edomites or Amalekites. Okay, you guys, oh, some of you guys are like, yeah. So what was the deal with the Edomites, also called Edomians or the Amalekites? They were the descendants of Esau. You guys remember who Esau is? Esau was Jacob's brother. And throughout the Old Testament, they were the guys who stood continually against the people of God. In fact, in the Old Testament, they are a, a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. Again and again. You guys know what the Antichrist is? There's a, for those of you that don't know, let me explain. There's a time coming before Jesus returns. Jesus promised he's coming back. Jesus is a real man. He's coming back as a real man, stepping onto this planet, and he will rule going to be great. I can't wait. Okay? But before he comes back, there is a, a, a representative of Satan who is coming back to pretend that he is Jesus' comeback. <laughs> you guys understand? Okay. That's Herod Agrippa. There's a picture of Herod Agrippa. And he, that was perfect timing. Okay. And he is not the Antichrist. Is that the one I sent you? That's not the one I sent you. 
You got a different pose there. Okay. Okay. Herod, Herod Agrippa, Herod Antipas, Herod the Great. These guys are Edomites, not Jews, who are, who are prophetic hints of this Antichrist who is coming. Antichrist, remember, is Satan's man that, he's, that he puts, that he sends. I don't know how it all works, but he uses to delude the people to believe that he is the rightful king. So Herod is an, Edom, is an Edomite, an Edomian, and, the, and his whole family stands against the people of God. Okay, let me ask you guys this. When the Antichrist comes, what will be his sin? What is, what is the Antichrist? What does the Antichrist do wrong? I want you guys to see this. We're going to look at another scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2.3. I want you guys to see this. You can put that up there if you got it. Scatter. 2 Thessalonians 2.3. And this is written to the, the church in, in Thessalonica where there was some rumor, like maybe Jesus has already come. And Paul's writing to them. He says, don't let anybody deceive you. Okay? So 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Don't let anybody deceive you in any way. For that day will not come. The return of Jesus will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is Revealed the man doomed to destruction. He's talking about the Antichrist. Here's his sin. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. What is the sin of Antichrist? It's blasphemy. And what's it motivated by? What is it? Pride. Motivated by pride. That I am God and there is nobody who is greater than me. Now, does that sound familiar? It's, it's vanity, okay? There's, vanity and pride are very much related. But what does that sound like? Is there anybody else who s- s- sets himself up as God and says, who? Lucifer, exactly, Lucifer. And where's that found? Come on, the guys, this year, Bible test. So, okay, Isaiah 14. So Isaiah 14, 13, you can put that up there. I want, to, I want you guys to see what Lucifer says when he declares that he will try to make himself greater than God because of the pride of his heart. So, so Isaiah 14, 13, they said Lucifer. For anybody that doesn't understand, Lucifer is the original name for the devil. Okay, that's who they're referring to. And this is what, he, what the devil says. Isaiah 14, 13, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the Mount of Assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountain, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. Now, there's lots we could talk about there. But here, here's the sin. The sin of the Antichrist when he comes is the same root sin as the devil. And it was the same root sin of this guy, Herod, and all his other kings, all those Herods, all those guys. And they're a type of Antichrist who is to come. Okay. Let me ask you this. Let's just think about this. If I were to ask you, or if somebody were to ask you, what is the sin or the biggest sin of the college students and the pastor at the cornerstone, what would you say? I think if, we, if it wasn't in this context, and I said, what, what's, what's, what's the sin that, that our, our college students at the cornerstone or, or in our churches are struggling with? I think the people would say, Pornography, 
uh, apathy, laziness, uh, maybe self-concern, sexual addiction, anxiety, all these. Guys, all of those are symptoms of a root sin of pride. Because pride is, pride stems from us saying, what really matters is me. What matters is me. What matters is me, and I will make my decisions of what to do or what not to do based on what is good for me and what I want. That's pride. And all those other things that we call sin come out of a heart of pride. And therefore, if that's true, as you guys think about the sins that you wish you could just shake off and never do again, as you think about that, if it's true that, that, that maybe, I'm not saying that every sin, but most of the sins that we're dealing with come from a heart of pride. And if that's true, then the healing from those repetitive sins don't just come from us trying to stop those sins. Like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. No. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? The healing, if it, the problem is pride, then the healing comes from the opposite of pride, which is Humility and humility. This is what humility is, guys. Humility is an attitude of this. I am not alive for my own purposes, but for God's glory and for the good of other people. That's humility. You guys want to be free from sins that just can't, you can't seem to shake yourself of? The problem is, the root problem is most likely a pride problem. And the healing will come through Humility. I'm not alive for myself. I'm alive for you, Lord Jesus, and all those people that you love. Because if you get that right, those other sins, those sins that have bound you, shake off. I hope that's helpful. Okay, I want to I want to talk about one specific sin that, that results from pride that Herod Agrippa was dealing with, and that maybe some of us are dealing with too. Look at verse 21, chapter 12. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his cool clothes, sat in his cool car. He sat on his throne and spoke really eloquently to the people. And they shouted, that's the voice of a God, not a man. Okay, guys, what was going through Herod's mind at that point? You like it? I like it. Yeah. Right? I think that's what he's thinking. They like me. They really, really like me. They finally, the people of Tyre and Sidon are seeing me as I really am. I think that's what he's thinking. I think that's what he's thinking. See, I, I just want you to think about Agrippa as he's grown up. He spent his life longing for the affirmation of people. His dad wasn't affirmed by his grandpa, so his grandpa killed his dad. And he lives his life trying to get the affirmation of his grandpa. Of course, his grandpa dies three years when he's eight years old. But then he tries to get the affirmation of his uncle. And then he tries to get the affirmation of his other uncle, Antipas. And finally, he gets the chance to go to Rome and try to get the affirmation of of the Caesar. But the people don't like him. 
and he can't stand that. So he does whatever he does to try to fill that void in his heart. Says, somebody like me. And I thought, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, is that not the biggest sin in my life? Or has been the biggest sin in my life? This constant concern about what people think about me. Guys, the Lord has freed me from that. And I just want to tell you a little bit of my, my testimony. I became a pastor in 2000, 19 years ago. And for five and a half years, I was on staff at Grace. My office was actually in what the prayer room is right now. I wasn't the college pastor. There was another college pastor here, but our, we didn't have room in our office, so I just used that room. And I struggled with becoming a pastor because up to that point, I was able to please the people that were around me, make them happy, try my best to make everybody happy, try not to make waves, try not to make, get anybody's way. But then I become a pastor, and all of a sudden I felt like I've got, at that time, probably 1,200 people at Grace who I felt like I needed to please. I felt like I, I had to be like Jesus to every one of them. And I couldn't be. And I tried, and I tried, and it seemed like the harder I tried, the, the more I had people telling me how, what a rotten job I was doing at caring for them. You guys know what that's like? And so by the time I'd been uh, five and a half years into this, the Lord took me out of ministry for two and a half years to fix this thing in my life where I'd stop trying to make other people happy with me. So I want to tell you guys how the Lord set me free. And it wasn't something that's, that's, that started five after, after I stopped being a pastor. It started from the day that I became a pastor. I realized that I had a problem with trying to please people. But I couldn't get rid of that feeling like I got to please people. So I want to tell you guys how, to, how I got free because I want the Lord to set you guys free from this sin, which is, I think, one of the biggest sins that we're dealing with. And so this, so on your, did we get those cards? Did you pass out those cards? Guys, I'm, I'm going to give you some verses that I memorized um, because these verses, I memorize them so that every time, this is, this is the way that the, the, the Scripture works. Scripture in your book doesn't work. Is, is, the, is the Word of God powerful? Only if you know it. It can be sitting on your shelf or sitting in your book. And I know the Bible says something about that doesn't work. You've got to have it in your heart and mind all the time. And the freedom came through me memorizing these verses. And then every time that I realized that I was doing something to please somebody or to make somebody like me, which for most of us is almost every five minutes. You guys, you guys listen to me? Does that make sense? Most of us are bound by this concern of what people think of us. So I memorized these verses. And I, want, I would put this on a card rather than just up on the screen because I want you to take it home and I want you to get, think about what it would be like if the people of the Cornerstone could walk in freedom from the concern of what, about what everybody thought of them. Because the Lord has set me free and I'm able to minister so much in such a greater way because I really, I don't have to worry about what people think about me. So Galatians 1.10, this is one of the verses that I, that I memorized. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. There you go. And with my decisions that I'm making, either I'm making that decision as a servant of Christ or I'm making that decision because I'm worried about what somebody else is going to say. You guys remember when Jesus says you can't serve two masters? 
Either you're going to love one and hate the other, or love that other one and hate the other. Do you guys remember this? I memorized this verse. And when I realized that I, that I, was, that I was worried about what people thought of me, I said, I am a servant of Christ, and therefore I can't worry about them. Okay, the second verse that I memorized was John 5, 41, and then skip down to 44. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I don't accept praise from people. Do, you, do we praise Jesus? Absolutely. Je, what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to make my decisions about what to do based on whether somebody likes me or not. How can you guys believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to attain the praise that comes from the only God? Jesus is speaking to us. How can you say that you believe in him, that you trust him, when all your effort is trying to get somebody like you? And this was my sin. So that was the first that I memorized. And I've repeated it a thousand times. Okay, then another one was Isaiah 8, 12. And I think God's speaking this to Isaiah because there's a lot of gossip going around about Isaiah. Because I don't know if you realize it, but he got, a, he got, a, he got the prophetess pregnant. Read, read the book of Isaiah. And I don't know if he was married to her or not. I don't know if this, but it doesn't explain. But he got the prophetess pregnant because God told him to. You read the book of Isaiah, you're like, man, I didn't know that was there. Think about what the people are saying. And God speaks to him a couple chapters later and says, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you're to regard as holy. He is the one you're to fear. He is the one to dread. And guess what? He'll be a safe place. He'll be a sanctuary. And I remember reading that one morning on my knees, and I'm like, that's it. My problem is I don't fear God enough. I'm more afraid of what Aaron thinks of me than what I think, what God thinks of me. What is wrong with that? Do you guys know, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because here's the problem. You guys are like, well, we're not supposed to be afraid of God. Read the Bible. You're afraid of what people think of you. I hope that you're more concerned about what God thinks about you than what Aaron and Steve think about you. Let's live that way. So I memorized those scriptures, and I've said them again and again and again. I came back on staff January 1st, 2008, after being off staff for two and a half years. And the Lord had healed me. There was no more, I'm going to try to do something to, to impress anybody. In fact, when Pastor Gary asked me, please come back on staff, I said, I don't think I got anything to offer. I mean, I just felt like, what am I, what can I, I'm not going to pretend to try to have a cool ministry. I'm just going to be Steve. Some might like it, some might not. I had no idea what God had in store. Apparently, some people like me. <laughs> but I just thought, I'm not, I can't make people like me. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's so freeing. All the commands of God are set us free. So on the backside of that sheet that we, that we handed out, by the way, guys, Yemi and Luke put this together in about an hour. I wrote these things out. I'm like, we got to get, get this handed out. Sorry I'm not more organized to give you a week notice. But, guys, I'm praying all day long. What do we, what do we want to do tonight? What do we want to do tonight? And so I handed this to them. They made this card. I gave it to you on a card so you guys can keep it and use it to get free. I want you guys to, to, to just 
let these words echo in your heart. Jesus loves me, and therefore I do not need to earn anybody's approval. Live that way. Live it. Just remind yourself of that truth. Though people reject me, because they will, Jesus never will. And therefore, I don't need to explain myself. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to try to validate my words. You notice how many words we spend on trying to get people to think that I'm cool? Drop little hints about what we did. and Who cares? God thinks you're cool. He died for you. Third one, no matter how hard I try to help people, there's always going to be people who complain I haven't done enough. I had somebody last night, somebody who's close to me, just um, kind of tell me how bad I've been to them. And I just said, I know, I'm not doing enough. But I'm not going to let that destroy me. It's not going to hurt me. Because the Lord, the Lord knows. That person doesn't know. My value doesn't come from the things I have. Guys, get this. Your value doesn't come from your job or your clothes or your home or your car. Your value comes from Jesus. And he considers you precious. Worth giving his blood for. Get this. Some people like me, some don't. Most do. But when, when, you know, there's, there's about one, you know, there's always somebody who's like, acts like I'm the worst thing in the world. Like, okay, some like me, some don't. I'm not, we can't let that ruin our lives. It's so freeing. And the more that you have that attitude, the more people like you. Yeah, you notice how, how much harder it is to, to get people to like me, how much harder it is to get people to like you when you're trying to get them to like you. You ever go in a class with five-year-olds? They all like you. Like you don't got to try. So hang out with five-year-olds. It'll be good for your self-esteem. Okay, second to last one. If I need praise from people to feel good about myself, I'm never going to get enough. If I need praise, if I, if I live for like, will somebody just tell me I got a cute shirt? Nobody told me, by the way. Actually, Julia told me. Thank you, Julia. Um, what's that? Thank you. I feel so much better now. I mean, I'm, we just got to get. Thank you, man. You want the shirt? Okay, later. Okay, guys. We, you know, we live for these things if we're not careful. Like, well, just somebody, somebody tell me my haircut was cute. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. If, if we need that praise from people, we're never going to have enough. Never. We can't live on that. There's not enough praise out there for us. And the last one that I want you guys to just kind of think about is perfect peace. Listen to this. Perfect peace is yours. Perfect joy is yours. It's offered to you by God himself. Even if the people who you love treat you with disdain. Some like you, some don't. You can have perfect peace. I said, guys, this is a message from the Lord to you. Tonight, whatever somebody said to you, whatever, however your sister or brother or ex-girlfriend feels about you, you can have perfect peace, perfect joy. If you look to the Lord, 
Herod's sin was that. He took it to the extreme. Guys, let's not do that. Let's be people who don't steal any praise from the Lord. All glory to the name of Jesus. None for me. None for anybody here. All for him. It's a great way to live. Let me remind you of the one verse that I mentioned. The verse 24 of chapter 12. The word of God continued to increase and spread. Okay, this is what we're going to do now. Um, we're going to do, we're starting the semester. We got a bunch of small groups that meet here. I want you guys to, to see who our small group leaders are. Yemi, can you pass out those other cards? So, so the cards that I already gave you, I want you to keep those. Some of you guys are going to throw them in the trash because you're already free of this. Some of you guys need to, to basically memorize what's on those cards. Passing out another group, a set of cards. So put, that, put the card you got away. We're going to take this other set of cards. And I, I want to ask you guys to do something. And about 10% of you won't do this no matter what I what I say, but the other 90% of you, would you take a card and would you, would you circle on here um, the, the schedule that might work for you? Now, you're not committing to anything. All you're, all you're doing is, is going to have an invitation for one of these small group leaders to, to come to, your, to their group, okay? So small group leaders, would you guys stand up? Um, let you just stand up where you are. All, all you, everybody who's leading a small group this semester, stand up. Okay. So... Here's, our, here's small group leaders. We've got other small group leaders who aren't necessarily here tonight. But um, just, just tell us. Yell it out loud so, loudly so they can hear you. Same time that you guys are together? Okay, who else? Um, Shikita? Mondays at 6. Girls group, mon girls group or is that a co-ed group? Girls group, Monday at 6, okay. Spanish small group, Wednesdays at 5.30. It's co-ed group. Guys groups, um, Wednesday 7.30 p.m. 7 p.m., sorry. Wednesdays at 6.30 is a girls group. Okay. Yemi-chan? Thursdays at 3 p.m. Okay, girls group. Anna-chan? Mondays at 7. Co-ed group with Daniel. Okay. Who else? Would we, oh, Scatter. Friday guys group, Friday at 5. What's that? And Annika's not here. When's her group? Is, is, is her name on, and time on the card? Okay. We got another group that's Fridays at 6. I'm sorry that Annika's name and time didn't get on there. Okay. Guys, here's what I want you to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing one more song. We're going to sing about how great is our, our God is. Our God is greater. Nothing can stop us. The things that we just talked about, we want to we sing. And it, as we're singing or as we're getting ready to sing, would you guys just make sure that you don't leave before you give those cards to one of the small group leaders or give it to, some, give it to me. How about that? Why don't you guys pass them this way? And um, we want to get you guys connected to small groups. The other thing I want to say is that we're starting this, um, this discipleship, this daily devotional. There's still some bugs in it. There's still some sp um, spelling errors, but it's going to be take about 15 minutes a day. If you guys are in uh, interested in doing this and you haven't let us know already, then send me a text or catch me, and I'll introduce you to somebody who will spend a few minutes with you each week going through it. I think it's going to be worth it. So this daily devotional. Let's let's stand up and let's worship the Lord. Woo!